0: That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D S dot com code super24.
1: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
0: The more muscle memory that you
1: have, the smoother
0: your weld is.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome
0: to the Smirkanish podcast for
2: independent minds. I'm eager to chat with my next guest. I've wanted to have a conversation with her for quite some time. She has a very impressive CV, resume. Devika Bhushan is a pediatrician, public health leader, and writer on a mission to drive health innovation, equity, and resilience. Previously as California's acting Surgeon General, Dr. Bouchon was a key public health spokesperson and advisor to the California governor. Dr. Bouchon's policy, research and clinical expertise spans trauma-informed systems, stress and resilience, mental health and gender and health equity. Her work has been featured in The Lancet, Pediatrics, National Public Radio, the Los Angeles Times and Healthy Children She has served on Stanford's faculty and trained at the Harvard Medical School and Johns Hopkins. Now the surprising part, Dr. Bouchon has bipolar disorder and caught my eye when authoring a piece for the L.A. Times under this headline. I am California's acting surgeon general and I have bipolar disorder. Dr. Bouchon, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time.
3: Michael, good morning. It's great to be here.
2: So it's 2011. You're in the third year of medical school at the Harvard Medical School itself. And and this, in the midst of a psychiatry rotation, is when you possessed a secret. Tell me about that period. period.
3: Yes, it was uh, quite the period of my life. So essentially what happened was I, despite being an insider in the world of medicine, I had about a three-year journey to having my first mental health symptoms to receiving the right diagnosis and right treatment. And essentially how that transpired was uh, my first symptoms were of a depressive nature. And for all the world, it looked like in the polar depression or non-bipolar depression, right? And so I was started on standard treatments for that, including SSRIs and so medications like Prozac. And essentially, I just, you know, my, my condition, my symptoms were not responding to the treatments I was being given. And in fact, the symptoms were getting worse. I was starting to feel really agitated and anxious on top of the depression, which looking back was symptoms of hypomania, um, which is a milder form of mania and, um, you know, can herald a, you know, a bigger and and worse episode. So essentially, that's exactly what happened to me. So at one point, about two and a half, three years into my symptoms, I uh, had a frank manic episode, and that was on three different um, activating. Uh, medications at the same time and frankly even though that was a terrifying experience to have it saved me because then it was very clear to everybody involved including my treatment team that what I had was actually um, a condition on the bipolar spectrum and that therefore I was never going to respond to the kinds of treatments I was being given and I required mood stabilizing treatments in addition to you know lifestyle modifications and so forth and from there, Michael, it took me another six to eight months to really stabilize on the right regimen, put into place the kinds of lifestyle changes that I knew would be really important. Um, and, you know, by the fourth year of medical school, I really was excelling because, you know, at that when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, at that point, I had lost all hope that I would ever regain my sense of self and the person that I had felt like I had completely lost to mental health symptoms. You told the story
2: in in the LA times, you told the story of, of prior to your second year of medical school, having the onset of being frozen in a grocery store. What was that all about?
3: So those were some of the symptoms I experienced with depression and anybody who's experienced depression will understand That paralyzing nature of the condition, it basically makes your thoughts super sluggish, it makes decisions hard, it makes it really difficult to pay attention to what people are saying to you, to come up with the right things to say back to seem normal. It takes all of your energy just to kind of move through the regular motions of your day. So that's what I was describing there, where I was just paralyzed by indecision. All of the the choices in front of me on the shelves were just overwhelmingly complex.
2: Most of us don't know what is bipolar disorder. In lay terms, how would you describe it?
3: So in lay terms, it essentially means that you have a condition where you experience depression, as well as something uh, called hypomania or mania. And essentially what that is, is it's an elevated state of being, So your thoughts are much faster than usual. You might be talking more fast than usual. With mania, you can also sometimes have um, episodes of psychosis, which is basically a loss of uh, reality, loss of touch with reality. So you might have um, delusions. You might believe that you are um, a messiah or something of this nature. So it's a, it's a condition where you have both highs and lows, essentially.
2: To the extent that we're familiar with it, I have to say it's often in a negative context. It seems the sort of thing that you read in a newspaper when catastrophe is struck and it gets part of the, you know, the narrative of of a perpetrator. Why I was taken with what you wrote in the L.A. Times is I thought this is a good wake up to let people know that this is a condition that can be successfully treated in many instances. Maybe not everyone is going to rise to the level of being the Surgeon General or the Acting Surgeon General of California, but people can lead productive lives nevertheless.
3: I'm really glad you brought that up because it was exactly those kinds of stereotypes that we hold so close to our chest when we hear the term bipolar disorder that I was really trying to efface by coming out, so to speak. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because we all have unconscious bias. We all have stereotypes. And I think that specifically with bipolar disorder, because we often don't see the examples of those who are living with it, who are managing it, who are uh, having you know, really successful, healthy relationships and having careers. Uh, We don't have as many examples of those kinds of people with bipolar disorder, even though we exist and we exist everywhere. Um, So I wanted to really try to break down those stereotypes and really break down the stigma and the shame that many of us with mental illness carry throughout our lives because we live with those illnesses in secret. And part of my intention in sharing the story while I was I was serving as acting surgeon general was to reach those in the hardest parts of their journeys to understand that even though what they're walking through in this moment might be really, really difficult, that there is a path forward and that this diagnosis or any other like it doesn't spell the end Of their dreams and their um, personal and professional ambitions.
2: Well, it also becomes self-perpetuating because the more that people with bipolar disorder are shunned, largely out of ignorance, then the more those who have it or are in the orbit of someone who does, they're going to keep it under wraps, not want to discuss it for fear of embarrassment or being held back in professional advancement
3: absolutely. there's There's a lot of discrimination related to this disorder, and that's part of what kept me silent for as long as I was. Um, and I'll tell you when i when I shared my story, some of the folks in my life who maybe hadn't known before um, came to me and said, "Hey, you know what? I would have never guessed that about you." And when you actually break down what that means, it's it's striking because what it means is that there are, all of these prevailing cultural notions and stereotypes about bipolar disorder just as we're talking about. And essentially they were saying, hey, my experience of you doesn't match those stereotypes. And so I think the problem is that we need more examples of people who don't match those stereotypes in order to change them.
2: This is the Smirconish podcast from SiriusXM.
3: Spring? Is
0: that you?
2: VR training platforms, like the one developed
1: by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
4: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
1: Learn more at meta.com/slash metaverse impact.
2: Listen to Michael Live, Weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. As a physician, do you feel any sense of requirement to reveal? beyond what you've done, but if we were interacting professionally, not in a a media context, would you feel obliged to share this information in any situations?
3: You know, I think that um, in the medical community and culture, there is a, usually a veil between the provider, the clinician, and the patient in the sense of, you never want to put the patient in a position of having to take care of their clinician, right? It's supposed to be the other way around. But I do think there's a lot of therapeutic value when somebody is in a really difficult place, whether that's with a health condition, whether that's with an experience they're having in the world that impacts their health. It's, it can be really useful in healing to open up a space of vulnerability with, with your patient to say, hey, you know what? I've walked a similar path to what you're facing right now. And here's what helped me, or here's what I know from that experience, because I think, you know, we're all humans. And to the extent that we can draw from our lessons and our strengths and our um, human vulnerabilities, we can actually help to make somebody feel less alone and make somebody feel like, you know, there, there is hope and there's a, there's a way forward.
2: Is there a cure Or are we talking about treatment?
3: I would say we're talking about treatment. So once you have been symptomatic and you have walked this path, there's, you know, it's basically a lifelong chronic condition. And it can be really well managed using a combination of medication, therapy, and some of those lifestyle changes that I was referring to earlier, which include being really thoughtful about getting enough sleep, especially for bipolar disorder, um, and other kinds of interventions. But it can, with all of those kinds of treatments in place, it can be very manageable, not easy by any means, um, requires constant work and um, an intentionality, just like with any chronic condition. But it, it essentially becomes something that is in the background rather than in the foreground
2: to what extent does it limit your current professional aspirations, if at all?
3: You know, Michael, that's a really good question. And I think, truthfully, one aspect that folks with bipolar disorder um, are not as well suited to because of, uh, you know, the fact that circadian rhythm disruptions really affect uh, our brains, doing things like, 28-hour calls where you're up for, you know, 28-plus hours in a row without getting sleep or doing a lot of flipping between days and night shifts, um, that can really be difficult and can trigger mood episodes. But really outside of those kinds of structural impediments, I really have not felt um, like I have to change my trajectory or what I want to do professionally due to this condition.
2: And finally, Dr. Bouchon, uh, what was the reaction to the LA Times essay and other revelations that you've made about dealing with bipolar disorder? How have you been received as a result of being so forthcoming?
3: You know, Michael, I, I, was, I was nervous and I wasn't sure how it was going to go. But to my uh, delight and surprise, it, it's just been... A wonderful, wonderful reception. I've I've heard from um, countless individuals who have either had their own journeys or helped a loved one through theirs. Um, just what an impact it made on them to to know that there was an ally and somebody who had been there um, in the space of policymaking um, and uh, being a clinician. I additionally, you know, one of the biggest gifts was that I became a part of this very powerful community of like-minded others who really want to break down stigma and bring messages of hope and healing to others. And so one of the, one of the examples of that is that now I'm part of a team that's putting together a documentary on bipolar disorder called Brainstorm. And if anyone wants to learn more about that, you can at brainstormthefilm.com. And another piece is that I myself now feel like I am a, one of the uh, pallbearers, if you will, of this movement. And um, I'm continuing to um, destigmatize mental illness using stories of lived experience. And I'm doing that through a monthly newsletter, um, which is askdrfavikab.substack.com and a YouTube channel as well as a podcast um, that aims to do the same thing. And um, I'm really, really excited about these efforts because I think that, you know, my story is just one story. And the power really comes from being in community with, you know, hundreds and thousands and millions of others who also have stories so that we can all, those of us who feel comfortable and professionally able to do so, can come and, and talk through our stories, both of illness and how we got through those episodes, but also of healing and resilience and how we stay well, because I think that's a huge piece of the narrative that is often missing.
2: I just tweeted some of the references that you made, so it'll be easy for people to find your professional work. Final thought I have is this, and, and obviously I'm preaching to the choir, but God forbid if you had a physical ailment, something that didn't deal necessarily with brain health, cancer. Then, you know, it would be one of what can we do for Dr. Bouchon and how are you doing and total open disclosure and casseroles would be baked and brought over to your house. And somehow when it's brain health, it's like, oh, I don't know what what do we say? Are we going to discuss it? What do we do? Should we even, you know, and it's, it's it's terrible because we can't get better unless we stop dealing with it that way. Anyway, that's why I was drawn to your piece. I'm I'm so happy to meet you. I'm glad that you wrote it and I wish you all good things. Well,
3: thanks so much for having me, Michael, and for really um, structuring this so thoughtfully. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Doctor. Dr. Dr. Davika Bushan, Ladies and gentlemen, look in my social media and you can find her professional work more easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take a couple of calls only on this. Uh, what do you make of that? Bipolar disorder did not stop her from rising to the level of, of being, you know, advisor to the governor of California and in the role as, uh, as their most important health official educated at you know all the top places and so on and so forth but has been dealing with these issues. I love the fact that she's now so forthcoming about it.
1: This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius X
2: Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps
0: mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter than air feel and barely their fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever.
2: VR training platforms like the one developed by
1: Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
4: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
1: Learn more at meta.com/slash/metaverseimpact.
2: Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS SiriusXM channel 124 and on the SXM app. John, you're in Austin. You just heard from Dr. Davika Bouchon, a pediatrician who was California's acting surgeon general, explained that she suffers from bipolar disorder, hasn't let it thwart her career ambitions, and she's done amazing things. What were you thinking?
4: Well, first of all, I'm a first-time caller, long-time listener. Really enjoy your program and Thank you. really enjoyed this segment uh, because I could relate to it personally. Our son has bipolar. He's now in his 40s. He was diagnosed uh, when he was in college. He had a couple episodes. Initially, we didn't know what was going on. We thought it was just uh, normal, you know, adolescent kind of behavior, but it wasn't. It became much more extreme, and he finally ended up in a mental hospital. And so we were very concerned about, you know, whether he was gonna be able to return to any kind of normal life. And so it was a very bad period for several months. Uh, until he was properly diagnosed and put on medication. The first medication he was put on really didn't work well. And then finally, he got on the right kind of medication for him. And he's been well ever since. He's a productive member of society uh, and has two kids of his own, our grandchildren. Nice. So I just want people to know that it's a very scary episode if you go through it yourself or with a loved one. But there is hope uh, if you get diagnosed, you get on the right kind of medication, and you stay on the medication, then you can uh, lead a normal life. And the other thing it did for me was change how I perceive other episodes. When you read about somebody in the paper or see an incident where somebody flips out on a plane or, or anyplace else, our immediate judgment is, you know, that there's, they're drunk or there's something like that. No, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, and so they need help, and I think it's changed my attitude towards this disease, which is what it is, and, and the fact that it needs to get better publicity. And so I admire the fact that you brought someone on your show who can help. Oh, you're help nice to say this. that.
2: Listen, I, I, yeah. I, I'm a strong believer that there needs to be more of an open conversation about brain health in this country. I've said it many times, and go out of my way looking to do this type of segment on the program, what caused me to say, I I want the doctor to come on is that sometimes there are incidents where violence has taken place. And part of the narrative is to throw bipolar into the mix. And I think it's created this impression in the minds of Americans that violence necessarily follows this diagnosis and it doesn't, but that's not, you know, that's not what people have come to believe. So anyway to try and shed i'm so happy that your son is doing uh so well and and i I wish you all good things and i wish good things for him
4: yeah thank you and again thank you for doing the segment
2: thank you john unnecessary to thank me but I, i i appreciate that that you would say that to me that's that's awfully nice
0: Smirkanish podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirkanish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, or anytime
1: on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president?